I want to try to cram in both the shepherd, uh, shepherds and the wise men, but they, they have a very common theme uh, that we want to um, dig into and just encourage you with. I want to welcome those on the live stream uh, that are joining us right now or uh, coming up in the future. We just pray uh, that God blesses you in this time and in this season. Um, and just thank you for joining with us this morning. When we look at the shepherds and the wise men's portion and, and what was their uh, part uh, in this whole story, it's kind of, uh, you know, maybe not long and drawn out, kind of quick, but um, they really sought the Lord and the, the worship that they had for Him. And I think when, when we look at this, you'll find that uh, there, there is that God revealed himself to them in, in two different ways, but that they responded in similar ways, right? And still today, God still reveals himself to us, and we uh, can respond in the same ways that the shepherds and the wise men, the magi did. I want to quickly read through, we're going to start with the shepherds. And their story uh, begins in Luke chapter 2. I know this read uh, quickly, starting at verse 6. It says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. We, don't, uh, we know a lot more of the type of people the shepherds were than we do uh, who the wise men were. And I want to describe to you uh, a little bit about these groups of people. The shepherds we know were, honestly, they were one of the lower uh, social classes. Um, they, they, you know, there's debate whether they were the outcasts, like the lowest in society, but um, 
You know, there's different ones with lepers and different um, classes of people that I would think were probably worse than the shepherds, but they were definitely not the high society um, occupations, right? The people, often these shepherds would live outside of the countryside, out on the hills and, and among sheep and um, maybe only come into town just to kind of buy and sell uh, you know, their sheep. But when deciding you know, who's going to be the one to pick to, to spread the news about the birth of the Messiah, the shepherds, at least to me, maybe I'm Maybe you guys are better than me, but they, I would probably have chosen a higher class of people, probably you know, more on the middle class or maybe the higher class of society, but that isn't the way that our holy and loving God uh, chose. In the culture of that day, shepherds were messy um, were they ones that were always teaching and, and, and reading the scriptures of the prophecies? Were they, would they have been the ones that uh, when you know, people were to announce the coming of Jesus, would they expect it to be from shepherds? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, some, uh, you know, in uh, some of the research I did, they would even talk about that shepherds were so filthy and uh, their occupation was so rough that they would had trouble. It would kind of disqualify them from being ceremonial, uh, cer- the ceremonial purification that was required by the Jewish um, religion back then. But I do want to note in my uh, research, there was a couple of articles that disputed this teaching. A lot of uh, Pastors have talked about all oh, these shepherds were the lowest of the low and how God still called them and used them. Um, some of these uh, would dispute that and it would be you know, a stretch to make that assumption. They point out that Jesus often in his teachings glorified the shepherd. Just you know, a few months back we talked about the Lord is my shepherd and I did a long series uh, on the um, on how the shepherd uh, related to his sheep and uh, that Psalm 90, uh, 93. But my kind of my comeback to their dispute is that Jesus always chose humility, that he always chose uh, the least among you. He taught his disciples, and we've discussed this on our Wednesday night services, that um, when we think we need to be the best or the greatest, Jesus always humbled them. That, no, the, it, the last will be first and the first will be last. If you want to be the greatest, you need to be the servant, right? And so him, God choosing shepherds, uh, you know, it's not that, um, well, he chose the worst class. It was probably... Uh, just another line of this of his teaching that um, of the the shepherd and all the different things in the Bible that discuss shepherds and the points that we can learn from them. This is probably just another way of him uh, pointing out that the Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to use shepherds to uh, announce this uh, powerful event. Uh, 
One assumption that we can confidently make is that the shepherds would have been religious enough and they would have known enough of the prophecies of the coming Messiah. Everyone uh, back then was schooled, uh, educated in the Torah. That's the first five books of the Bible and that's the, where the law of Moses that they followed uh, comes in. And so much like uh, in our educational system, all the kids go to school and they're taught this way. Uh, they would send their kids to uh, the synagogues and the temples to learn about these prophecies and all of this, uh, all of this religion. So the sh- shepherds would have been um, included in all of that too, and would have been. It wouldn't have taken them by super surprise. I mean, obviously they were terrified when a giant angel. Um, you know, shows up and then all of heaven, hosts of angels show up, okay, they're going to be a little bit surprised. But the message that was told to them that they wanted to share, that wouldn't have been surprising. They would have actually been anticipating, hoping, and expecting uh, that news to come one of those days. The most important thing to know about the shepherds is that when the good news that would bring great joy for all people, when it was told to them, they told it to others. With zeal, they spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus. This uh, news indeed brought joy to all uh, who heard it. It was for all the people and uh, the first people to hear the gospel, in other words, and and are their ordinary, uh, their humble, and their needy people. And it, pr- it fulfilled the prophecy from Isaiah uh, 61, verse 1. It says, The poor have the good news preached to them. So what can we learn from the shepherds? Two things. Uh, God reveals himself to mankind. Okay, We may not... Uh, ever see a host of angels show up while we're out back raking our leaves or maybe some of you uh, cowboys attending your uh, cattle you may not have an angel show up and um, it may not ever happen like that but God still through the Holy Spirit reveals himself to us in powerful ways very powerful ways there's testimonies right now in this day and age of Muslims in the countries where they don't allow any message of the gospel to be shared, God is showing up in their dreams, uh, telling them about Jesus, and they're being saved. They're coming to know the Lord. God is revealing himself through the Holy Spirit in powerful ways still today. God reveals himself uh, through his word. We can read, we can understand, we can grasp these things, right? The shepherds did it, and they were ready, they were prepared that when this message came out, man, this is it, this is what we've been longing for, we got to go tell everybody, right? And it's a powerful example that we need to have that same zeal and that same excitement. That's my next lesson from the shepherds, that we should share the same hope And the same joy of the gospel with others in the same zealous manner. Zeal, zealous means you're excited, you're happy, you're jumping around, okay? When, not necessarily jumping around, but you know what I mean, happy, okay? 
when the shepherds, uh, when the angels showed up to the shepherds and they announced this powerful thing, I don't think the shepherds were like, well, I, I don't know. You know, I, it's a long ways into town. I got dinner on the fire. What am I, you know, they were pumped up. Like, whoa, we got to share this with everybody, right? And there's a, there's a story when Jesus tells about the shepherd that will leave the 99 to go find the one that's wandered off. These shepherds left all of their sheep, right? What happened? We don't know that part of the story, but all the shepherds leave and their sheep are there. And when they get back, the sheep are probably uh, still there, right? But the, the excitement that the shepherds had that this was the most important thing at that moment. We're going to forget about what was happening. We're going to go. We're going to share what God has done in our life. We should have that same uh, zeal for him. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are ambassadors for, God, for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And Paul also commended the Corinthian church for their readiness and for their zeal to tell others about Jesus, that it had stirred up most of the people that they were sharing that with. Our, when God does something in our heart, the intention isn't to like, keep it to ourselves, like, oh, that was great, wonderful, awesome. No, we need to tell others. What do we need to tell them? What God is doing in our life. 1 Peter 3.16, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Why are you so happy? Why don't you get down? Why don't you get stressed out when you're going through this? Why, how do you have hope in this like, crazy world? You need to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks that. We can also uh, learn from the Magi and the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. We'll quickly uh, read through that. And Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to skip a few verses, and I'll tell you when we do that. Matthew 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. The next few verses, um, King Herod, all of Jerusalem, is disturbed. Why are they disturbed? That's an interesting portion of Scripture. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of time to get into it. Herod is disturbed because he's the king of the Jews. Not some baby that just got born. So he's threatened, right? All of Jerusalem, it says, is uh, disturbed. When the wise men, when the magi come in, uh, it's not one or two. There's a huge uh, group, Maybe three, we'll talk about that in a moment, but could be more. And they have guards that have come with them. So it's like in our little town of Carrington, okay? If uh, a row of, you know, ambulance, fire truck, police come by, we know something is happening 
and it's wild. What's going to happen? What's going on? What's going on? And so the city is seeing uh, these wise men from the east. They're not from Jerusalem. Uh, they're coming in and they're asking this question of the one who's been born king of the Jews, and it's throwing everybody. Uh, uh, you know, for a loop of what's, what's going to happen. Why are they here? What's going on? So ver- we'll jump to verse 7. Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. He should have just gone with them right then. Why, you know? <laughs> We already know you're fooling around with us, Herod, okay? Verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Who are the wise men? Who are the magi? Their identity has uh, been a mystery to all of us Bible studiers, right? Scholars even. Uh, who are these people? And I don't have a, um, any new research to tell you about. Uh, nothing new has been learned uh, of them. We just have a lot of speculation. And I'll give you a few of, you know, theories or, you know, ideas of who they might could have been. Herod, uh, Herodotus in 1st century, uh, in the 5th century B.C., he wrote of priestly magi in Medes, which is, we'll talk about that in a moment, like what, you, what is now Persia, Arabia. Uh, it's in the east. And he wrote of priestly magi from there who were adept at interpreting dreams. The book of Daniel mentions magi in conjunction with magicians, enchanters, uh, diviners, sorcerers, uh, and astrologers and astronomers. So in that day, uh, there was a blurred line between uh, magician, uh, divination. That's, uh, that's basically evil. You're, you're communicating with evil spirits, okay? Um, there is a kind of this blurred line between uh, what magicians are and what a scientist would be, okay? And so... A science expert, if they say, oh, I'm part of the Magi, okay, I, I don't know if you're like an astronomer or are you a sorcerer, right? So we don't know, uh, we don't have the, that knowledge right now. It could be a wide range when you use the term Magi or wise men. It could be a wide range of any of those um, types of people. No one knows when we say uh, wise man, no one knows how much magician and how much scientist uh, is in that wise man. But the summary, to summarize all of these, magi or wise men, they could have the gift of interpreting dreams. They, They could be entertaining as a magician or they could curse as a sorcerer or they could be able through divination 
connect people with their dead ancestors. They could be very intelligent scientists with knowledge of the movement of stars and the alignment of planets, etc. They could have been any of those. They could have been a mixture uh, of all of those. But here's what we do know. In the centuries leading up to the birth of Christ, there is a transition of power from Medes to the Persian Empire, and the Magi continued uh, their activities uh, through all of that into the uh, transition to the Roman Empire, which was what it was when, uh, at the time of Jesus' birth. Throughout the centuries, Jews moved into the eastern countries of Persia, Arabia, like I said. So they would, Jews would move and settle over there, and their religion would be passed down. Even in the book of Esther, I believe it's chapter 8, I didn't write it down, but in the book of Esther, she lived in Persia, in the east, okay? And it's recorded that many of the people of the land became Jews. And there's abundant evidence that uh, the Jewish people were interested in astrology. And so no doubt these magi... uh, were religious too, just like the shepherds. They had religious belief and and may have even uh, converted to Judaism, right? And they would have knowledge of the stars and astrology. I know it's getting late. I'm going to wrap up real quick. There's also a prophecy in Numbers uh, chapter 24, uh, verse 17 through 19, that says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not right now. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of of Israel. And so this was the Messiah's star. When the wise men showed up and said, where is the one born king of the Jews? We saw his star rising. And so uh, they have identified somehow uh, that this is a new star, a new formation, a new, um, a, a new something in the sky. We don't know how big it was. We don't know how it was moving. We don't know how it was pointing to the child in the manger. Uh, we don't know exactly how all of that goes. But the Magi, who have studied, who love the Lord, who are seeking Him, that God has revealed himself through this star uh, and it's risen uh, above where they need to go. They've set out on this journey and this journey uh, could be hundreds of miles. It could be up to like a thousand miles depending on where they, how far east they were. And it would have taken them weeks, uh, possibly even months to get to Bethlehem for this moment. And what I want to end with the lessons of the Magi, what we can gain from this is that God reveals himself through creation. That God loves us so much. There's so much in creation that points us to him. Stars are being uh, created. Uh, They're being uh, dying off and new formations are happening still every Every day for the past thousands and thousands of years, God uh, continues uh, to show his glory through his creation. 
It may not be as amazing as a host of angels uh, showing up and giving this uh, powerful message. But these uh, magi, these wise men had been studied in the word. And when something showed up, oh, man, this, is, this means something. We need to go. And they, they had been prepared. They had been expecting one way we know they uh, had been expecting is the type of gifts they were bringing to the baby. The second lesson, I kind of jumped ahead, the second lesson is to seek the Lord. And we could honestly have that for the shepherds as well. That the wise men uh, knew this is the Messiah. We're going to seek him. We're going to go after him. And they prepared gold that would honor him uh, for their coming king. Gold is still that uh, powerful today and that meaningful today that, um, that it meant, it meant uh, kingship or king, you know, being their king. Frankincense was an incense or a perfume that would honor him as their priest. Um, there's verses that talk about how our praises rise to God's throne like, like incense, like a sweet incense to him, and it's pleasing to him. The myrrh was used as a medicine or also as a perfume, but check this out. Its main use was in the embalming process. That when a person uh, died, the myrrh was used to, as one of their spices uh, to cover up the stench and all of that. And so it was, I don't know if the Magi knew that they were prophesying that this Messiah would die, okay? But he was going to be their conquering king. And he, he did come, he did die, he rose again, and he did conquer. Worship team, would you come? And we'll wrap up with this. In my uh, prayer time earlier, and just as we, as I was just preparing this message just the thought of seeking God, seeking God. There's a powerful um, presence of the Lord. And when we are intentional in seeking Him, we may not know uh, when He's going to reveal Himself to us. We may not know how it's going to be. But when we're in our prayer time, when we're studying in, in the Word, Maybe we're in, in groups when we're in a worship type setting. God can and he will reveal himself to each of us. When we're prepared and when we've been spending time with him, he may show up when we're in the middle of the uh, job or uh, just in the middle of nowhere when we're in the middle of something that we, okay, this is, why'd this thought come to my head? Well, God wants you to dwell on this. God wants you to spend time in, in that, worshiping him. God will reveal himself to you if you will seek him. 2 Timothy 2.15 says to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, being studied in the word, knowing the word of God. The fear of the Lord, the reverence of God is the beginning of knowledge. When we, when we have a reverence for God, then we're, we're setting ourselves up and we're preparing ourselves to, uh, to learn from Him and to grow in Him. 
and when he reveals himself to us in thousands of different ways, right? Where we'd be ready and we'd be uh, able to grow in that time and learn from him and worship him. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, God, we just love you, Lord. And no matter where we're at in our walk with you today, Lord Jesus, I just pray that you help us. God, we thank you for the lesson of the shepherd, the shepherds and the wise men. God, they were, they knew you and they recognized the moment. God, and they fell down and they worshiped you. They worshiped you with their gifts, with their worship, with their prayers, with their message that they didn't hesitate to tell others. Lord, I just pray uh, for that in, in our lives today. God, that this message of hope, this message of joy, this message of love that we have, and that we would share it with others quickly, Lord, with an excitement, with a joy, not uh, grudgingly that, oh, we have to do this, so I guess I'm going to do this. No, that we would take uh, the, the work you've done in our life and the hope that you've given us and that you would share it with others. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Friends,